0: Welcome to the Telford Minster Podcast. Thank you for joining us and listening along. Our vision is to make Jesus known in Telford and we hope that your attention is grabbed by Jesus today and what he is doing in your life. This autumn we are looking at the series Pray, prayers of the people, looking through the Bible at some of the most powerful prayers and scriptures, their lasting effects on God's people and how God is responding to and fulfilling those prayers and promises in our lives today. We hope that this series encourages you, your prayer life, and your growing relationships with Jesus. Enjoy the podcast.
1: So, Swiss Calvinist theologian Karl Barth said To clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of this world. And that's where I want to start. We've been talking about prayer for weeks now. But the problem is, if it only ever stays these people praying, then we have failed in what we've been trying to do. Because prayer has to become personal for each and every one of us. It has to become something that's so fundamental to who we are. And by that I mean, in the morning you wake up and go, hello. Because that's prayer. When you go to bed at night and say night, that's prayer. What we're seeing here in scripture is the prayers that have been worked out through relationship, through contention, through wrestling, and a journey with God. But they don't start there. This is just what we're seeing after they've walked a journey with God. And I want to ask you, whereabouts are you on this journey with God at the moment? Are you praying when you're waking up in the morning? Are you just saying, hello God, I'm here. What do you want to do today? Because I find that exciting. I find that so like, oh, we could do anything today with you, Lord. Anything. That's what prayer is. So basic, so beautiful. And yet we make it so complicated. So who was Habakkuk? He was a... prophet of the 7th century before Christ and he was unusual in that he was operating at a time, he was operating around the same time as Zephaniah, Nahum Jeremiah, he was operating at the same time as all those prophets but what we see when we look at those people is that they are given a word from God to speak to the people but what we see with Habakkuk is that he is just having a conversation with God And that's what makes him so different. But that's also what makes it beautiful as well. Because when you look at it, you can see, if you read the first two chapters, that whole thing of wrestling and, oh, Lord, he has a holy discontent with the world that he lives in at that point. What are godly people to do when the moral and spiritual fabric of their nation is being ripped apart and the political and social structures are disintegrating? This is the problem he faced. And to me, that sounds very, very similar to the problems that we face now. What are we to do? But the thing with Habakkuk is, he's also saying to God, I don't like the way that I hear you going to deal with this. And he's wrestling with God. And what Habakkuk shows us in those first two chapters is that it's okay to wrestle with God. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to doubt. But what it also shows us is that if you stay in that place, then you stay lost. Because chapter three is the culmination of that journey. And that's why it's so amazing. So if you're wrestling with God at the moment, if you're doubting God at the moment, then it's okay. But don't stay in that place. If you need somebody to pray for you, if you need somebody to walk with you, ask any of us. Because I'm passionate that each single journey is completed that we go on, that we never stay in the same place. That when we encounter God, that we are changed again and again and again and again and that our journey always leads to a place of hope, always leads to a place of Jesus. Ask. You come to that first bit. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In your time, make them known. In wrath, remember, and mercy. What a shift of position after the first two chapters. He has shifted from going, oh, to... He finally breathes and shifts his posture. And he remembers who the God that he is talking to is. But the thing that really struck me was, I have heard... Now we know these were storytelling people. We know that they loved that oral tradition that was passed down from generation to generation to generation. We know that in the temple there are stories about who God was would have been passed down as well, told over and over again. But I want to ask you now, what stories are you telling each other of who the God is in your life? What stories are you saying that can be held now for future generations in your family, in your communities? What stories are you telling? What are you thinking of? What is your testimony? That's such an old fashioned word, isn't it? Testimony. But it's so powerful because your testimony can't be disputed. This is who God is in your life and we need to be telling each other all our stories. We need to be gossiping the gospel that has affected us. But that means we need to be entering into it. We need to be not afraid of who Jesus is in our life and speaking it out with such a boldness that it can't be denied. What stories are you telling? I've seen gold falling from the ceiling when I've been in meetings, and I've been literally covered in it. I've seen my hands dripping with oil when I needed to pray for people, and it didn't stop till I'd finished praying for people. I've seen our middle child Callum healed of a heart problem and overnight, within 24 hours, all of his eczema being cleared after prayer. And the hospital saying, this isn't possible. I've seen food multiplied when I turned up at church, forgetting that I was supposed to be giving cakes to 100 people who'd come for uh, baptism, totally forgetting that I'd said I'd supply the cakes. I was also looking after 40 youth that day. Somebody baked three tray bakes. Those three tray bakes did a hundred people. And then the 40 youth that came to our house that stayed the rest of the day till some of them went back to Ireland. And as that last youth left after midnight, there was one piece of tray bake left. I've seen food multiplication so many times it's unreal. I've seen these miracles happen in front of my eyes. But those are intensely personal stories as well. Those are stories about how God has affected me. What about you? How has God turned your life around? What are you asking God for at this point now? Habakkuk's asking For a whole nation to be changed. A whole nation to be turned round from where it was. He's crying out to God. He knows the stories of Moses and the people being rescued out of Egypt. He knows these stories of the Red Sea being parted. Food being prepared for people again and again and again. He knows these stories. And what he's doing is going to God and reminding God of these stories. Do you think God has Mm forgotten No. But he's saying, I know who you are. And I'm reminding you in my lifetime, you are the same God that did those miracles. And I want to see those miracles now in my lifetime. I want to see a nation turned round totally from where it was. Do you have the faith to see this nation turned round? Do you? Do you have the faith to stand up and say, God, I know who you are. And I know this nation that I live in, that I am called to for such a time as this. Can be turned around through prayer, beginning with prayer and then action. It always has to start with prayer. It always has to start with us aligning ourselves with God's vision, not our vision, not what we want to see. And this is what Habakkuk was doing. He was saying, I know who you are. Show me now. Give me the vision that this nation can be turned around. But what I love at the end of that little bit is, he cries out for mercy as well. We need to be also crying out for mercy. We need to have repentance. That's the only way we will see renewal. What's mercy? We hear that word so often, don't we? But what does it actually mean? Compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within our one's power to punish. Compassion and forgiveness. Through Jesus we have been forgiven at the cross. And it's a mystery and it doesn't make sense, but it is beautiful and Habakkuk is crying out before he even knows who Jesus is. How much more us who know who Jesus is? Oh, she fell. There's a poem by Francis Drake. Begins with the line, Disturb us, Lord. Now I'm sure most of you know this poem. It's written in 1577 so a long time ago but just listen to the words again in light of having heard Habakkuk's prayer. Disturb us Lord we're too pleased with ourselves when our dreams have come true because we have dreamed too little when we arrive safely because we sailed too close to the shore. Disturb us, Lord, when with the abundance of things that we possess, we've lost our thirst for the waters of life. Having fallen in love with life, we have ceased to dream of eternity. And in our efforts to build a new earth, we've allowed our vision of the new heaven to dim. Disturb us, Lord, to dare more boldly to venture on wider seas, where storms will show your mastery. We're losing sight of the land. We shall find the stars. We ask you to push back the horizons of our hopes and to push into the future in strength, courage, hope, and love. That was written in 1577. It's still relevant for us now, isn't it? Can you feel that uprising coming within you that just wants to cry out to God? That doesn't want to settle? Are you asking God for what I've just read out to? Interrupt me in my journey where I've forgotten who my creator is and where my identity lies. Interrupt me, Lord! Lord! What about you? Are you saying, interrupt me now? Not next week, not next year, but now. Because you can make a difference sitting here now and praying and crying out to God. Never think that the gathering of people together is useless and it's just a nice fuzzy feel where you get some fairy dust sprinkled on you. That's not what this is about. This is a time where we are empowered, where we find each other, where we see things that we've not seen before, where we encourage each other, where we cry out together and we give each other strength. Because sometimes we need to see people, we need to touch people to know that everything is okay because we believe. Coming here is not a soft option. Coming here should challenge you. Coming here should make you so uncomfortable with life that you want to move on and on and on. So I want to stress sitting here is not a soft option. It's not something to take lightly. It is amazing and wonderful and healing and ah, oh, it has no words. But when you leave here, you should know that you are so loved and so empowered to change the world that you are placed in. You should be filled afresh. And that relationship with God should be strengthened. Yes, in your time on your own. But yes, when we gather together, gain strength from each other. I wrote down here where the gap between my belief and my practice becomes so vast that they bear no resemblance. The gap between my belief and my practice becomes so vast that they bear no resemblance. It's no use believing in a God who can change the world. It's no use saying you believe in Jesus but then my practice says something different. Where I exist and choose to live in a world where I don't believe that I have any, any right to it. Where I do not believe that I can change the atmospheres around us and see people here healed and institutions changed around me. Our belief and our practice have to come together. They have to come together. They cannot be separated. But when we have the right information, but not the right transformation, when we do the right things and seek them without the presence, then we just get tired. And too often what we've seen is that call to, yes, I know what I've got to do. I know where I'm going for then we've not sought the kingdom first. We've not sought Jesus first. We've not sought his presence first. We've not lived in that place of rest first. And out of the abundance, then gone and done it. If you are tired here, just shut your eyes and feel his presence settling on you. Feel his presence just renewing you afresh. Always, 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 always seek him first. Always, always, always seek the kingdom first. That gives you your timetable. That gives you your step. That gives you your community. That gives you your identity. That gives you your hope. And out of that... So why does Habakkuk end with 17 to 19? Though the fig tree does not bud. And then everything else. Because what he's saying is that his faith is not an escape from reality. He's saying that his faith is a deep dive into the mucky, Chaos and evil in the world he's saying that that's where his faith is taking him because that's where he's placed and that's where our faith takes us into a broken world to people that don't yet know him it takes us to places where we are going this is so far out of my experience Lord why have you brought me here show me what to do That's what Habakkuk's saying. That's what God is saying to us today. We're meant to live in this world, but not be part of it. We're meant to know the truth of where we are, the absolute truth. Because how on earth can we take it to God in prayer if we don't know what we're praying about? If we take our falsehoods to God in prayer, what's the point? If we don't know what we're crying out for, if we don't know what's burdened within us, how can we cry out? We need to know the truth of our communities. We need to know the truth of our next door neighbours. We need to know the truth of each other as well. We need to be vulnerable with one another. We need to be almost, it's an old-fashioned word again, but that confessing to each other. When we've tripped up, when things have gone wrong with us. We need to be sharing with each other. Because there's a whole secular world that does not yet know him. And I'm using that word yet know him because I absolutely believe the whole earth will be filled with his glory. The whole earth will be filled with his presence. Every single person will have to make a judgment call on that. Every single person will have to make a decision. I want to see them making that decision because they know they're loved by Jesus, because we've communicated Jesus and the gospel to them. And I don't mean little bits of the gospel, I mean the full gospel with no restrictions. That the gifts are for now. That we're meant to see the dead raised. We're meant to see people healed in front of our eyes. We're meant to see people walking in off the streets and going, oh, confessing their sin and then believing in Jesus. So many different aspects of the gospel. Nothing to be taken away. Let's operate in that. look at Jesus, and he could have written, the same as Habakkuk did, though the fig tree does not bud, he could have written, though Judas betray me, though my three close friends fail me, and my disciples deny me, and I'm met with silence in my most desperate hour, and I will leave this world in shame on a cross, though these things are true, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. This is where we live now. Habakkuk was writing this without understanding that. There was a question I felt like God wanted me to ask you guys. When was the last time you realized that God wasn't working outside of you, but actually working in you? That his spirit lives in you? And because of that, you're being changed? When was the last time you actually realized that? We're so comfortable with saying, talking about God as an outside thing, as a thing that exists. We see it in other people, we see it in stories. But what about you? What about the God that lives in you? When was the last time you actually thought about that? And that you are being changed now? As you sit here, you are being changed now. Hebrews 2. Look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy... Set before him, endured the cross. The joy? The joy? He was shifting his position. He was showing us. These are deep truths, these are mysterious truths. These are things that exist within us, not in our heads, but somewhere else. And these are the things that move us. So we're ending with this The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer, He enables me to tread on heights. It's all about Him. And when we realize that, we become contenders and not consumers. Are you a contender? We become champions of renewal, where we take risks and embrace responsibility, and we dive deep into commitment. We begin to prepare the way, not only in our hearts, but in other people's hearts to receive this renewal. And that's what us being in the communities is about, preparing other people's hearts. We partner with God, and that alignment comes. We become not what the secular world says we should be as a church people. We become only what God says we should be. And that is so much a cry in my heart. That we don't compromise who we are as a church and I don't just mean this church, I mean the church does not compromise itself. As a people who believe utterly in Jesus and the passion that should rise up within us, that we don't compromise that. And out of that, we see whole countries changed. Whole countries you were born for such a time as this to see this country change. You were born for such a time as this to see your neighbors set free in the name of Jesus, to know Jesus. You were born for such a time as this to see things happen in front of your, dream, in your dreams, things that you've held on too long because God placed them in there. You are born for such a time as this to walk in dark places and bring the light that cannot be extinguished. John 2.17, zeal for your house will consume me. Are you consumed with zeal for your house And at that point, we cease to be nice. We cease to be nice. Because we understand the call is to holiness, not niceness, holiness. Jesus was not a nice man, he was something far more powerful. He was holy. So back to you. Are you hearing that call on your heart to pray? Are you hearing it? To say hello in the morning? To ask him where you're going that day? Are you hearing that call in your hearts rising up? Back to that Karl Barth quote to clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of this world we are called to be a people who rise up against the disorder of this world because we are part of a different kingdom are you ready?
0: for listening we hope this time has blessed you hit the subscribe button to hear more like this and to find out more about Telford Minster follow us at Telford Minster on Instagram and Facebook or go to telfordminster.org.uk